Senior Pastor, it's so wonderful to be on the line again with you um, as we look at the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 uh, through 22. Um, We continue to look at Christ in the Revelation, in the book of Revelation. Um, And uh, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus Christ admonishes and encourages his churches. And we're going to see that um, as we look at uh, the church at Sardis. Um, He encouraged them to be spiritually alert, and you'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Um, He also encouraged the church at Philadelphia um, to hold on to Christ, and you'll find Mm -hmm. that in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And then finally, we're going to look at uh, Laodicea, uh, and he encouraged them to be zealous or to be enthused and to repent. And we find that in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. So we have a lot to cover today, and as noted, John was instructed by Christ to write a letter to each of the seven churches in Asia Minor which today is the western third of Turkey. All these churches were in fairly close proximity to each other, um, probably about you know, 250 miles from the farthest points. Um, now, some of these churches were founded by Paul, and others were founded by those who had been touched by the saving power of Christ and wanted to share that experience. Um, the messages to the churches of Asia Minor are messages to the church across all ages, regions, languages, and cultures. So even though John uh, wrote a message to these churches as it, was, as it was given to him, a message to these seven churches, these messages apply today. These messages apply to the churches today, to the Amen. congregation and to the churches today. And, um, You know, as we get into it, we're going to see how all these messages have become so pertinent, especially in this hour and in this phase of the church. So over to you, Senior Pastor, as we talk about Sardis. Thank you, Pastor O. And um, we want for everybody to know, greetings again, that these messages or letters that were sent, well, letters in form of a message, was always read to the congregation um, as we do today. And um, although it was given to one particular church, sometimes it was shared with the other churches. Now, before we get into this, I want to remind us that message or letter or these messages or these letters that were given were truths, contained truths, warnings, and divine principles. Not suggestions, but things that they were to do. Truth, because we must obey the truth. Warnings, uh, people don't like this when you're warned, um, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives warning, and they also contain divine principles, that which we need to abide by. 
that which we need to know and do. So I want you to be aware of that. Now, um, today as we go through this, I'd like to ask of everyone that we make the word of God alive and make them applicable to our lives and circumstances. Word of God must be alive and made applicable to our lives and to our circumstances. There is nothing new under the sun. Make sure, make sure. And he called upon Sardis here to be spiritually alert. And that jumped out at me as we are calling on sunshine this morning to be spiritually alert. And the only way for us to do that is study the word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, when it comes to being spiritually alert, some people are not there at all. You know, we spend more time working on our bodies, ourselves, which is fine. Nothing is wrong with that. But be spiritually alert. Know what's going on around you. Know what the Bible says. What you ought to do from what you not ought to do. Also, make sure that when people come to you with rubbish, that you can quote the scripture and say, no, the Bible didn't say that. Don't just accept anything that is thrown at you because people quote scriptures and they use it um, to suit their own situation. But make right. sure that what people say, Pastor O, as we have been trying to do, what the Bible says, we stand on the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the call was to Sardis here, the church at Sardis. As we are saying to the church at Sunshine, verse 1 says unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou art the name that liveth and are dead. Oh, my Lord. No, I don't want you to get confused here, confused here that they were seven spirits. And what do we know of Sardis? Sardis with a, was an impressive church with a citadel, um, a high-rise thing across there that everybody could see. And it says it rose 800 feet and served as a fortress to protect the city. Um, it was near to a cemetery, massive cemetery, with hundreds of burial mounds, um, so large that they could be seen. We were looking at some when we went to Our, lane, our Lady of the Angels the other day in Royal Palm. Some of these burial mounds are so large, you can't, you can't miss them. As you walk into the cemetery, you see them. Well, these could be seen from about seven miles outside the city. But John was instructed to write to the messenger, to the overseer of the church, by God, the messenger, 
who held in his hand seven stars. And he also had the seven spirits of God. No. Seven spirits of God, it um, shows a sevenfold spirit, not seven spirit, but sevenfold, and is found and backed up by Zechariah chapter 4, verse 2 and 10, and Isaiah 11, verse 2. And we talked about earlier in some of the lessons before that the letter seven means um, completion or perfection. That's what it means in Scripture. Um, Where sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit? What does this mean? Sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit manifested in sevenfold. And what is it? It's the abiding presence of God. The church must always have the abiding presence of the Lord. He is always with us. He has never left us. Um, Also, wisdom is another one. We must be filled with wisdom and understanding. That's what we are talking about. That's what he's talking about to be spiritually alert. Have wisdom. Counsel, you can impart counsel, have a knowledge of the scripture, and be strong in your belief and reverence of the Lord. So let me say that again. Abiding presence, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength, reverence of the Lord. And I hope that if you don't have a book, you're writing it down. I go again. Abiding presence, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength, reverence of the Lord. So I hope you're writing that down. And if you don't have any of these or all of these, then we have some work to do. Now, as I said, these were not individual Holy Spirit, all right? Not seven individual spirit, but abiding and um, present manifestation. So the church must manifest all of these. Now, the church here at Sardis was called upon to redirect, and they also got commendation. The Lord said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Hope, that brings hope. Be watchful, and that's what we are called upon to do. Paul called upon us to do that. Peter called upon us to do that. We are calling upon you all to do that today. Be watchful. Be very careful. Make sure we're going to have different people, as I've always said, and different situations, but be watchful. Don't allow the devil to come in and break up what we have. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Get some water, man, and water that plant that looks like it's droopy and um, scorched by the sun. Water it so that the root will not die. Uh, the, The messenger here said, For God said it, I have not found thy works perfect before me. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard an old path, and repent. Now, notice what? Those things that you have received, those things which you have learned, those things which you have heard, hold fast to that. 
hold fast to your faith. And if you leave it, then you should repent. All right? Watch. Because if you don't watch, I will come to you as a thief in the night. Now, note here that whereas other churches were commended because Christ knew their works, this church, and I repeat, this church is rebuked because of his works, because the works were not good. And I wonder what kind of works we are doing. Is our works acceptable to God? Sunshine. Works that we are doing, are they good works? Though Sardis had a reputation and a name as a church that was alive, God saw them as powerless and lifeless. And we have always talked about that. I don't know who wants to go to a church that is powerless and a church that is lifeless. We have always said to you, prepare yourself. Pray before you get to church. Don't come and wait for the song leaders to pump you up. And we always have to be pumping people to say amen and say hallelujah. Come with life, man. Come in life. You know, if you can't do that, don't bother to come. Stay home. But if you come, come to worship. I really, really admire and applause those who come to church and you do everything. When the songs are being sung, man, you are with it. When the messenger is up there preaching, you are with it, supporting. That when people come, they say, boy, this church is lively. This church is alive and well. And we are talking about spiritual vitality here. All right? Not dead, but alive. It did not draw its strength from the source of life of God. In other words, it was not an empowered church, not a spirit-empowered church. Like the city, the church was complacent, and I want to speak to that spirit of complacency this morning. Some people are too complacent in their Christian walk. Get out of that drowsiness. Get out of that spirit of complacency. Man, and be alive in Christ. Uh, and the Bible, the Lord calling them, God calling them, so that you must realize that what you're doing is not good. You are dead. But your situation can change if they would arise and shake off the complacency, if they would be watchful, if they would be awake and alive and be established, and they would strengthen the thing that they got before in the spirit, they would be all right. So he's calling for renewal. Renewal can take place. And I think we are saying that to Sunshine this morning. Renewal can take place. We are not gathered together, but I challenge you that when we meet again, when we are able to go into the four walls, that there will be a renewal. And we don't even have to wait for that. Renew your spirit. Renew your mind. We always ask and pray for revival. But renewal and revival begins with a desire. But the writer here says the desire alone is insufficient because many around us desire to be better followers of Christ but do nothing about it. 
So like the Sardis church, desire can be motivated only by spiritual experience in our past. When we remember, when we can bring back to remember, and we, we are yearning to reach back there. And um, renewal requires repentance, turning completely away from anything that hinders our relationship with God. And that also jumped out at me. Anything that hinders our relationship with God. So I want to ask you today, is there anything that is hindering your right relationship with God, your house, your car, your children, your work, your money, your attitude? Is there anything that hinders your relationship? God wants to have a right relationship with us. Remember Adam? Adam and Eve in the garden, they lost their relationship and they could even go to church to worship. They couldn't meet God for worship. So if there is anything that enters your relationship today, we need to repent. We need a renewal. Be there and blame other people. Blame the pastor. Oh, because pastor say this, because that one say that. Then, oh, you're going to lose your relationship with God. I wasn't there. I didn't meet you. It was God who met you. And you said yes to him through the spirit that worketh in you. So my friend, if the call today is for renewal and repentance, we need to allow God to work through us. He will raise us up. He will raise up a people to replace us if we don't do what is asked of us. But he wasn't talking to Everybody in the church. The commendation for Sardis is for a few names, not the entire church. A very limited amount, a number of people were living a life of purity. They had not allowed their lives to become influenced or infected by the culture around them. Their lifestyle was not stagnant or complacent. It was based on a vibrant and continually growing relationship with Christ. And the writer here says, we grow or we die. We grow or we die. And notice the commendation. For those who keep on overcoming, the promise is threefold. First, they shall be clothed by God in garments of purity and victory. Amen. Second, the names of the overcomers will not be removed from the record of all those who have been redeemed Amen. by the blood of the Lamb, the book of life. Third, Christ himself will publicly acknowledge their faithfulness and confess us in the presence of my Father and before his angel. It is a proclamation and promise of complete redemption, vindication, from the accusation of the enemy and a declaration of ultimate and eternal success. Oh, yes, my friend. Oh, yes, sunshine. I implore you once again that we be the church that he wants us to be. George Whitfield, and then I'm turning to Pastor Ho. The great and important duty incumbent on Christians is to guard against all appearance of evil to watch against the first rising in the heart to evil and to have a guard upon our action 
that they may not be sinful as much as seem to be so. So, we call upon you today. Be alive in Christ. What against the wiles of the devil that we might hide his word in our heart that we will not transgress against him. Philadelphia, hold on to Christ. Pastor O. And, and that's a, a, an imperative. Um, uh, not only should we repent, but we should be alert. And it kind of flows right into what God was calling on from the Philadelphian church to hold on to Christ. And there are times in our life when things are going to become so difficult. Uh, we look in, in the world today and we find that sometimes we even question our own faith. Yes. We even question our own standing with God. But we are encouraged or we are commanded to hold on to Christ. And we find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. In verse 7 it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now the speaker here describes himself as holy and true. Now the word holy is a term reserved for God. No one else can ascribe to the level of holiness. That is Amen. a name, a word, a phrase, if you want to call it that, that is uh, reserved for God. Um, it is a lifestyle, and that's for us, it is a lifestyle that honors God and brings glory to Him. Holiness is best understood as utter dependency upon and complete obedience to the rule and reign of God. And I'll say that again. Holiness is best understood as utter dependency upon and complete obedience to the rule and reign of God. We cannot depend on anything else or anyone else there has to be an utter dependency upon the rule and reign of God. And not only should there be utter dependency, but there must be complete obedience. Complete. Amen. And that's Amen. where we have an issue in Christendom. Um, we obey the rule of law, of course, uh, but it seems as if we as creation have a hard time in obeying the rule and reign of God, and he's going to hold us accountable. But in order yes. to get through this world, right, we have to hold on to Christ. That's our only hope. We cannot hold on to anything else. Everything that we hold on to perishes or fails at some point. Um, but God uh, is telling us here that we must hold on to Christ. Further, he is true. Not only is he holy, but he is, he is true. He keeps his word, and his character and actions reflect that quality. He keeps his word. 
And I'm so glad um, that he keeps his word toward us today. The letter to the Philadelphians centers on the theme of opening and closing doors. And uh, that's something that kind of stuck out at me because many times we wonder why this door closes or that door closes. Mm. Um, But there must be a reason why God has shut that door. Amen. If he has shut it, if we are living in accordance with his word, if he shuts a door, we should not try to open it again. Um, if, you know, if you're in a particular situation and you're not seeing your way clear, then maybe God is saying, move on. Maybe God is saying it's time to walk away. Um, you know, so it's, it's for us. It's incumbent on us to recognize the opening and the closing of the doors and make sure that we are in line with what God wants us to do. What he opens shall remain open. Likewise, what he closes shall remain remain closed. And I'll say that again. What he opens shall remain open. Likewise, what he closes shall remain closed. It is clear Christ alone has the keys and the authority over all doors and the kingdom. And And if he's telling us, listen, walk away, simply walk away. Now, uh, Philadelphia was commended in um, verses 8 through 11. He said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Uh, We ought to keep God's word and not deny his name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. Uh, Now, in Revelation 2, verses 8 through 11, we talked about the church at Smyrna that was not condemned. Uh, Philadelphia here was not rebuked. Um, And these are the only two churches that, uh, out of the seven, that were not condemned or rebuked. Um, Philadelphia receives no rebuke or chastisement. Remarkably, the church is commended for three things. First, their works are well known to the Lord. Um, in other words, he sees what you're doing. He sees your works. He knows when you come to church. He, he knows when you take care of your neighbor. He knows the things that you're doing in secret. He knows what you're doing to help the sick, the poor, the needy. He knows. He sees. He sees yes. your works. Uh, second, uh, the church at Philadelphia kept Christ's word, and that's something that is very important. So we're not only to work for the Lord, but we also are to keep his word. Um, word. Uh, God acknowledged that they have been tested, no doubt by persecution. However, they have not renounced or been swayed from their faith. And this is something I'm telling you that is very difficult because as Christians, you know, there are some um, that have been told, oh, when you come, you know, when you become a Christian, 
everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be all right. Now there's going to be a time of persecution. There's going to be a time of difficulty. But you cannot be swayed from your faith. You Mm -hmm. have to uh, stay focused. Uh, Stay in the race. Fight for your life. Run the race with patience, Paul tells us, that we ought to do. Uh, Third, they did not renounce the name of the Lord in this trial. The Philadelphian Christians have clung tenaciously to the name of Christ. Consequently, they are promised a threefold reward. And listen to this. They will be vindicated before their enemies. Amen. They will be vindicated. You will be vindicated before your enemies. Amen. And the second, because of their faithfulness and determination, he will keep them from the hour of testing. Amen. There's a time coming when you will be kept from the hour of testing. And third, they are promised a crown of victory if they continue to overcome their adversities. So, you see, that's the thing. Um, there, there are some of us that are in a time of adversity right now, right? Yes. But there's a crown of victory uh, that will come to you at the time of your overcoming. But you have mm. to continue in the adversity. We're, we're always praying for God to take us out of this and take us out of this and remove this or remove that. But what we are really to be praying for is for strength to go through our adversity. If in this life we had hope, we would be of men most miserable. Um, so yes. this is the promise of the rapture or catching away of the saints. Um, C.S. Lewis said, God knows our situation. Mm-hmm. He will not judge us as if we had no difficulties to overcome. What matters is the sincerity and perseverance of a will to overcome them. And finally, in verse 12 through 13, we find the promises to those that overcome. Uh, the promise is threefold. The victorious shall be people of stability and prominence, serving as a pillar or important element in the place where God is worshipped eternally. That's the first promise. The second promise is those who conquer the force of sin will never face temptation again, shall go no more out, for they are secure eternally. Third, those who prevail over the forces of Satan, who have questioned and threatened their identity as children of God, will have that identity, the name of God, uh, the new name, permanently and eternally sealed in the core of their being they will be forever identified with God and his son through the power of the spirit. This is all good stuff that's going to happen. These are the things that keep us going as Christians. This is what we look forward to, you know, that our redemption draws nigh. We are a redeemed people, but we have to go through adversity. And in uh, in order to be victorious, we have to overcome. But we are already overcomers. But we have to walk in that. We have to believe that. And we have to walk with purpose. And whatever God has called us to do in life, whatever we are doing in life, 
from work to school to, to home to church, whatever we're doing, whatever the activities of our lives, we must recognize that we are overcoming, overcomers. Nothing that you're going through um, is because of something that you have done. God has ordained it. God has put you in a position, has put you in a place for him to get the glory. And you have to continue, just continue, just persevere through that adversity. Um, the third church, Laodicea, be zealous and repent, senior pastor. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful lesson. And I like what C.S. Lewis said, Pastor O. God knows our situation. He will not judge us as if we have no difficulties to overcome. Because we have a whole heap of difficulties. He's not going to judge us. He's there to help us. And he says, C.S. Lewis says, what matters is the sincerity and perseverance of our will to overcome all of those obstacles and all of those difficulties. And I was just thinking, Pastor Ho, what a beautiful church this is. Oh, boy, I would love to pastor a church like that. But we are working. We are working, and God is going to help us to be there. All right, we're going to try and close it out with our last church. Remember that we said he wrote to seven churches, Ladosia. And um, this was a church just like Sardis. The Lord called on them to be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. You know, be zealous of your repentance. Be zealous about what you have to do. Be zealous about what I say. Think seriously about it. And repent and do your first work over. Verse 14 wow. says, Revelation three fourteen to 22 is what we're on. And unto the angel of the church at the, at the Ladosians write, These things saith the Amen, which is ascribed to God, the faithful and true witness, which is God again, the beginning, the creation of God. And they said that this church was near. You talk about Philadelphia a few, few weeks ago. And um, this was a church that was about 45 miles south of them. Um, and we are completing the circle of churches here. Um, we, we are not sure who founded this church. But um, could be Epaphras, a disciple of Paul. There's no record that it is so. But the Amen the title of deity and power. Um, witness can be translated as a martyr, as a witness. Christ laid down his life to validate the gospel, and all that is true. And we need, know that he's the beginning and he's the end. I am. I am the beginning, and I am the end. Now, this church was severely rebuked, severely rebuked, because um, as I look at this, it says that this church was a church that thought that they had everything. They were where riches were, rich church, educated church, 
but they were not doing the work. Verse 16 says, So then because thou art lukewarm, hmm. and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What a situation. Verse 17, Because thou sayest I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Why well, it seemed like the kitchen sink was shown at them here. Mm. Because they act like they knew everything. They act like they have everything. But in God's sight, they were wretched. They were miserable. They were poor. They were blind. And they were naked. And I, I want us to look at our situation. Look at your situation today. And see if you are this, if you are wretched, if you are miserable, and if you are miserable, you need to turn that around. And poor is, poor, being poor is not a crime, but we are poor financially, but we are rich in Christ. And if you are blind, it simply means you can't see. And if you are naked, you need to do something about your nakedness. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You can't even run to Walmart and do this. You can't run to Macy's and do this. It's got to be done in Christ. I counsel thee to buy of me Christ gold tried in the fire. And we have gone through that already. Oh, for the gold to come to perfection, it has to be in the fire and it's beaten by the... Um, by the gentleman that is doing that. And um, the Lord said, if you are in that situation and you want to be rich and you want right raiment and you want to be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thy eye with eye salve that thou mayest see, come to me. Behold, he said, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and eat with me. And sometimes we, we, we think that this verse of Scripture is to the unsaved only, but it's to those of us in the body of Christ who need repentance, who need to turn our situation around, who need to be rich in Christ, who need to do what the Lord asks us to do. Now, the church here had no works worthy of commendation. The church had no work worthy of commendation by God. They thought they were doing good, but God said, no, you're not doing good. It was a reflection of the city in which it exists, rich and self-sufficient. But the works revealed that they were complacent, just like the Sardis church. Here yeah. goes that word again, and I believe he's speaking to somebody today. First, Jesus says, and complacent means that you're not doing anything for God. You just sit down and accept everything and waiting to go to heaven. No, no, no. Get out of your complacency and start to work for the master. Work while it is day for the night cometh when night no coming. man can work. Jesus says, 
It is neither cold nor hot. Now, let's look at that. He would rather the church be on fire spiritually or be a spiritual icicle than to be lukewarm. And why? Because it says that cold water refreshes and reinvigorates. If you you go into the water, it wakes you up. Go into the cold water, you say, wow, water is cold, but it wakes you up, reinvigorates you. At water soothes and heals. Let me repeat that. At water soothes and heals. Lukewarm water does neither. <laughs> if you drink lukewarm water, it becomes dis- distasteful and repulsive. Jesus is stating here that the church neither refreshes nor heals. In other words, what it offers is not worth having at all because it's distasteless. It is, doesn't mean anything to anybody. He addresses the prideful and self-sufficient attitude of the church. And some of us are displaying that same attitude, prideful attitude, self-sufficient attitude. No need nothing from nobody. No need no spiritual counseling. We have it. We got it. We got it. And when we fall in trouble, then we realize that, no, 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 we don't have it at all. Ladosia was a very wealthy city. Notice for its banking, fine blank, black wool, school for medicine that produce an eye salve. Yet the church does not realize it is shameful, miserable, destitute, wandering in spiritual darkness and humiliated by their spiritual nakedness. To God, it's what we are in the sight of God that matters, not what man say. It's who we are and what we are, and how God sees us in his sight. They confuse material possession with spiritual standing. And let me say that again, for those who are running after material things, for those who are spending all your time on material things, on the things of the world, the things that make the flesh look all right, but the spirit is dead. They confuse material possession with spiritual standing. Come on, members of sunshine. Don't confuse material possession with spiritual standing. It's better to be poor and rich in heaven. It's better to be have nothing down here and lay up treasures in heaven. Some of us are pining and we want this and we want that. And I've said it over and over again. And it's a good time to repeat it. Get out of that situation and build your hopes on things eternal, not things of this world. They will change, they will fade, they will decay. But, oh, my friend, the treasures you are building in heaven, they will not gather moss or rust. Mercy always precedes judgment. An invitation is given to the church to obtain pure gold, garments of purity and victory. And I, I pace that heal spiritual blindness. The implication is that renewal and purity come through a process, and the process is not always pleasant. Those whom Christ loves can expect correction and discipline. Those whom he loves, he chastises, he chasteneth. 
His goal is always restoration. Not to kill you, not to destroy you, but always for you to be restored. He's looking for all the backsliders, all those who have fallen from grace, all those who don't love him well, all those who will not come up to spiritual maturity. He wants to restore you to a right relationship. He will not violate your free will, but stands at the door waiting for your attention to gain entrance. He will not push the door and come in. But, oh, swing your heart door wide open and let him come in. Those who open the door, victorious fellowship, communion, and participation will be given to you in the kingdom. So let us have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Lord is saying. What a beautiful lesson. Pay attention to these three churches as you pay attention to the others. And can the Lord commend you this morning? Or is he rebuking us? And we don't want to take the chastisement. We don't want to take the rebuke. We don't want to repent. I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to us today. God bless you. Over to you, Pastor O, for the conclusion. I think that's such a beautiful way to put it, Senior Pastor. Uh, Is God commending us or is he rebuking us? We see uh, in these seven churches, we see it in our world today, um, the reflection of these seven churches. There's such a distortion. And it's true. There are some churches that are lukewarm. There are some churches that have fallen short of that mark. Um, There are some churches that are distorting the truth. And they are selling the They are selling a lie as a truth, and many are falling for it. Some just go for the music. Others Mm -hmm. just go for networking. You know, whatever the case may be, there are churches that exist that are distorting the truth of the gospel and distorting who Jesus is. But we find in chapters 2 and 3 that Jesus is the Son of Man who understands our struggles with the flesh because he too walked this earth. So he understands what you're going through right now. We also see that he is the king, ruling in dominion, righteousness, and glory. We also understand that he is God, able to subdue any attack of the enemy of his people. Let me say that again. He is God that is able to subdue any attack of the enemy of his people. Any attack. Amen. Amen. It also declares that he is the Messiah, the anointed Savior of those who look to him. He is light, life, and the Lord of the church. He is light, life, and the Lord of the church. And finally, he is the great amen. He is the great amen. We can trust and upon whom we can depend. The great amen we can trust and upon whom we can can depend. depend. And it's quite interesting. 
um, that this was the final conclusion of the whole matter because Revelation mm. was the final or the, the ending or the conclusion of the whole matter. He is the great amen. And that's why we, when we come together, we say, let the church say amen because it's amen. the conclusion of the whole matter. It is his church and must yeah. be subject to his will, not yeah. ours. Amen. It is his church and must be subject to his will, not ours. As the church, we must accept his reproof, hear his warnings, embrace his encouragement, and await the fulfillment of his promises. And I've often said that this is one of the most difficult times um, or one of the most difficult things that we have to do is wait. You know, when the Bible says to us, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart, there, it is difficulty. There is difficulty in waiting. It is very difficult. It is hard. It is very hard waiting on God to relieve you, waiting on God's vindication, waiting on God to help you. That is the most difficult thing you may ever go through is waiting Amen. on the Lord. But we have to declare, right, that he is king that he is Lord, that he is Messiah, that he is light and life, that he is the great amen, that, that he is the son of man. All these things are consummated in the book of Revelation, and we find encouragement as we await the fulfillment of his promises. Finally, the church at Sardis needed the life-giving quality of the Holy Spirit, and we find that in Revelation 3, verse 1. He could energize its worship and make it real and genuine. And I believe God is calling us to that uh, today, that we must, we must be energized in our worship. And it must be real and it must be genuine. Let me say that Amen. again. We must be Amen. energized in our worship and it must be real and it must be genuine. He could, meaning Jesus could, animate its dead, dead works and make them pulsate with life. He could fill it with his vital presence, and as a result, its work, worship, and witness would become marvelously transformed. This is the most urgent message the church, to the church today. Um, this is the most urgent message the church needs to hear. Be filled with the Spirit. And you'll find Spirit. that in Ephesians 5. Verse 18, the word of God tells us we must pray in the spirit. We must preach in the spirit. We must worship in the spirit. We must live in the spirit. And we must walk in the spirit. And that's something that we must take to heart. We must, we must pray in the spirit. Preach in the spirit. Worship in the spirit. Live in the spirit. And walk in the spirit and it's not a common s but a capital s we must walk in the spirit of god live in the spirit of god worship in the spirit of god preach in the spirit of god amen and pray in the spirit of god that is incumbent on every believer these things we must follow and we're going to turn it over to senior pastor i i, I hope that this lesson um speaks to someone's heart um and I pray that you would have gotten something from it. And the question again arises, is God rebuking you or is God 
commending you. Amen. And I think that is also a message to our church, the message of Sunshine Family Worship Center. And I hope that we will heed the warning. I hope we will not go from here. Well, if you want to be critical, that's, that's up to you. The Spirit of God is there, and he will deal with you. But I want us all to see this as the love that the Lord has for us, that he's calling us. And all of those who are not members as yet means you too. You're a part of Sunshine Family Worship Center. And hopefully as soon as we can, that you will see it necessary to do so. All the ministers of the Lord, the ministers of the gospel, I hope that you will renew your vow to him. All the members of the church, whatever position you're in, whatever you're asked to do, that you will do it willingly. And I I'd want to say before we pray, and we close off this service. Remember, I've always said to you that the gospel is not defensive. It is offensive. It does not need to defend itself. But when you hear it, as you're hearing it today, you must not be comfortable in your situation or your surrounding. But something Inside of you must be stirring up. I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do better. This is what the word said. I got to be obedient. I got to be faithful. I got to do all that is asked of you. And the Lord is not coming down here to talk to you. But he has his ministers who will speak whatever he says to you. And if we are wrong, the Lord will deal with us. Hear, children. Hear. And how is your walk today with the Lord? Remember, walk in the Spirit, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Would you bow your heads today? And as we mention this message, as we digest the words, that we will be better children. We will be children. We will be a church that he is pleased with. Bow your heads, everybody. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Oh, your words have been imparted today, and we have supped your word. We have dined on your word. We have feasted on your words today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to our hearts. I pray your Holy Spirit today will propel us that we need to walk in the Spirit, that we need to talk in the Spirit, that we need not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, but we need to do thy commandment. So today, I praise thee with my whole heart. For the gods, I will sing praises unto thee. We will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified the word above all 
other name. In the day when we cry, thou answerest and strengthen us with strength in our soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Hear us today. Help us to extol thee. Help us to praise thee. Help us to bless thy name. O God, every day of our life, May we bless thee, may we praise thee forever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. O God, and from generation to generation, thy work shall praise thee. We declare thy mighty acts. We will speak of thy glorious honor. We will speak of thy majesty and of thy wondrous work. O God, and help us to sing unto you, a new song. Help us to praise your name today. How marvelous, how righteous are your works. Oh God, we sing praises unto you and we pray that you will awaken in us the spirit to worship, the spirit to do right, the spirit to work for you. Oh, that we will hear on that final day, well done, good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many. You understand our struggles today. You understand what we face. You understand our situation, whether it be financial, whether it be, oh God, heal health, whether it be personal, whether it be family, whether it be church, whatever it might be, you understand today. And we pray that your word encourages us today that we will pray in the Spirit, we will preach in the Spirit, we will worship in the Spirit, we will live in the Spirit, and we will walk in the Spirit. Touch your children today. Anybody be sick, we pray for them today. Thank you for those that you have extended healing to. Oh, God, and we pray today that your hand of mercy will be extended. Anybody that needs your saving grace, I pray today that they will open up their hearts, swing their heart doors wide open, that you may come in. Come in today, Lord. Be with us for the rest of today, and as we start a new week, we do not know what tomorrow holds, but we know you hold the future in your hand. And so we look to thee from whence cometh our help, and our help cometh from the Lord who makes heaven and earth. Thank you today for your word. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. And we look to thee once again from whence cometh our help, and we ask that you will pronounce a benediction upon all your children Remember your church, remember your church, remember your church that you gave your life for. Oh God, we pray as we are up against forces, evil forces, forces of the devil. But oh, you said the gates of hell will not prevail. Remember every pastor, remember every minister, remember every minister, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. And we pray in the name of Jesus that thy will will be done unhurt as it is done in heaven. Thank you today. Thank you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
and amen.